I just had this like vision of the episode opening with me just being like, why did I decide to do this? You know, <laughs> ah, this is hard. It's just like having that be the opening. Well, I think that will naturally come through. Welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast, brought to you by us at So Much Media. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Lara Samara Sands. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. of men podcast email the subject is her tom one is a lot of fun and the message body is but my is a big punana <laughs> how appropriate for this topic welcome to another episode of fishers of men my name is laura samara sams and i'm here with my fearless co-host <laughs> mary ashley burton for this special special episode where we are finally at least one of us is, <laughs> is telling our story as you may know we started this podcast because we wanted a platform where we can give a place for people to tell their story so they won't feel alone because as we tell stories that's how we transmit culture how we have community and how we can go to one another and say hey me too and, and encourage course, one another. And encourage one another and yeah. support one another. And I am so excited that Mary Ashley is stepping out in faith in sharing <laughs> this because, of course, everybody in, in our podcast that shares from a vulnerable space, um, it is a scary place, mm -hmm. but it is powerful. So thanks, Mary Ashley, for letting me interview you <laughs> for this very special episode. Thank you for forcing me to follow through on my conviction that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know forcing. I don't, I don't know. Well, holding me accountable, I think. Because for a long time, basically since we started the podcast, I think we both have felt convicted that we needed to share our stories, but the question was when. when. I know. We kept putting it off. I remember <laughs> saying, well, how about after the wedding? And then it turned into... How about in April when it's our one year anniversary, mm -hmm. and that was uh, three months ago when we were recording this podcast. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being the first to step out. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, like I said, I've, I've felt personally convicted by God for a long time. Uh, so I guess over a year, almost a year and a half. Uh, and I've been really reluctant, but the turning point, the thing that really lit a fire under my rear end was, funnily enough, a guy on Tinder. <laughs> this is actually a really funny story. I think it's really funny. So I am on Tinder as a social experiment. Actually, I got on there just because I was writing a script and I needed to know what it was like for this character that was on it. And I somehow started talking to this guy and we just had a conversation and on my Tinder profile, I have that I'm a good Catholic girl. And so I get a lot of questions of what that means. And really it means that it's just code 
to all the Tinder guys out there that mm-hmm. I'm not going to sleep with them. And so basically the conversation ended up turning to virginity as it does often somehow in these online conversations. Uh, and so we ended up talking about the fact that I am a virgin, which is <laughs> so weird to say out loud. Oh, no. <laughs> a few thousand people are I know, listening. I know, right? It's <laughs> you know, and I was thinking about it. Like, it's actually easier to write it out. It's a lot easier to write it out. It's much harder to say it actually in words. And I don't think I even told my therapist that I used to have or, like, I only very rarely, only if forced, do I tell, like, even my gynecologist. <laughs> so, anyways, this is uh, really hard for me. But anyway, so the conversation turned to that. And he was like, oh, you know, like, why are you on Tinder and whatever. And he said that he had a friend who had a dating podcast and that he had just recommended that she do a an episode on uh, virgins, especially virgins on Tinder. And he said that I would even make a great guest. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, I have my own dating podcast and everything. And So fast forward to a few weeks ago. He, see, he had never told me the name of the podcast or anything. So a few weeks ago, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts, YOY, which I highly recommend because I think if you are a fan of our podcast, you really will like this other podcast. But it's all about dating and relationships in the secular world and how confusing things are now. And so she did an episode on virginity and it actually made me kind of pissed off because she interviewed this woman who was not waiting for any kind of religious reasons and actually by the end of the episode was no longer a virgin and I was I felt really let down by that yeah because you should have your subject stay a virgin at least to the end of your hour-long podcast well it's not like she had any control over it you know it just kind of happened in this girl's life like she was in her 30s and she was just waiting for a long-term relationship and the podcast interviewer yeah yeah Yeah. exactly so it's like it's not her fault yeah but it was just really deeply disappointing to me because there are so few portrayals in media actually i think that's a perfect picture of just how people view virginity you know, yeah, that is just something you have until you lose it. Yeah, it's not sacred in any way other than just, like, you have a personal conviction mm-hmm. if it's outside of religious views. Yeah. And I know we're, we're going to get more into that because I know mm-hmm. you have reasons that are not religious, which yeah. I think is helpful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but anyway, so that episode made me mad, and I was like, okay, well, I really, I don't think this is really doing this whole subject justice, and I really feel like I need to finally finally <laughs> talk about this, especially for our audience, because I know I I know that I'm definitely not the only one, even though sometimes I feel like I'm the only one. But anyway, so then they YOY had an episode that they sh- recorded in L.A., and she called up this guy onto the stage, and she was like, oh, this is my friend, and he always sends me emails about what he thinks sh- should be on the podcast, and actually we're coworkers and everything. And so I messaged this guy on Tinder and was like, wait, is this you on the YOY podcast right now? And he was like, oh, yeah. And, you know, I he, he remembered who I was, and he was like, oh, yeah, I told her about you. And I was like, yeah, I did listen to her <laughs> virginity episode a few, you know, like a few weeks ago. And he had told me at the time, 
you know, if you ever happen to hear a podcast with this subject, you just just know that it was probably inspired by you without <laughs> telling me the name of the podcast. So I was like, oh, crap. Okay, so the thing that really convicted me that now is the time, probably more likely than not, was inspired by me. <laughs> as told to me by the guy who... That's hilarious. You know. So anyway. The way God works, right? I know, right? So it's like, of course, God has to give me a really explicit message Yeah. that I really need to do this because otherwise I'm just going to keep procrastinating at it. Yeah, and sometimes God has to be like extra clear because yeah. we like to, oh, is that my voice or is that really you, God? Right. It doesn't sound like you because it's too uncomfortable. <laughs> Although usually if it's something that I don't want to naturally do, it's probably, it's probably yeah. God. Oh, yeah. Totally. You know. Uh, so this is definitely something I would not naturally do. It's really weird but to talk about. I'm so proud of you that you are <laughs> stepping out in Griffin, Gryffindor bravery <laughs> to share your story with us. Because when you talked about how it's kind of weird, even among Christian circles, that yeah, uh, yeah you're not the only one and people feel this. It, I have the sense that there is this attachment to shame yeah. in a weird way because, of course, the other side of that coin are the people that are Christians, that are, you know, devout um, to Jesus and his teachings and the Bible and all of that, and to church teachings, um, and maybe are not virgins before, you know, like have had sex before marriage. And I am absolutely sure that on the same, in the, on the same coin, on the other side, the same amount of guilt, the same amount of shame has touched these people so it's just a great way for us to talk about it yeah. because shame is not of god and right. we shouldn't ever feel that you know we if we are children of god we need to embrace the grace and i yeah. know that is part of what you want to talk about today and mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing yeah that we can step into and lean into the grace of the father yeah and like sissy roger said in our interview with her shame lives in secret mm -hmm. and the thing is that especially in christian circles if you're not married it's just kind of assumed that you're a virgin because that's the default and since there's that assumption nobody really talks about it and or or not really in an in-depth way and definitely not in public um but there's a whole lot to it a whole lot to being inside of a body and moving around in the world and what it feels like and the good and the bad. And, uh, you know, they're just like we're going to get into. There are joys and there are definitely challenges and hardships. Yeah. And we really need to be honest about all of it. If, if we're going to have integrity in our call to others to, yeah. to live out chastity. So, that being said, how about we start out with the challenges? <laughs> Let's do it. Go for it. Um, so, the main thing that comes to mind that makes this feel really weird is, especially in terms of secular society, just the constant feeling that you're abnormal. Uh, I know that it, I have a really great fear around being judged and people thinking that I'm not cool or not normal or that as soon as this topic comes up and I kind of like quote unquote reveal my status that they're gonna think I'm like super repressed and like I, I don't know why 
I think that they think my personality will automatically change a 180 and all of a sudden I won't be the like fun loving nice person <laughs> that is willing to entertain multiple points of view <laughs> mm. you know and I was talking to another one of my friends about this and she has a great reverse shame around fearing that people are thinking that she's judging them yeah and to some extent I have experienced that as well um, and that's why I just prefer to not even go there because then there are just so many questions that people have and I can sit and listen to someone's story and I and not really judge. So that's just really, really hard. Yeah, I just wanted to affirm you in that because I've experienced that as well. You know, it's, it's not something that you think about, but as devout Christians, suddenly the label is like, oh, you don't do this, therefore you're going to judge me for it if I do yeah. it. And I feel like that is, of course, there are Christians that do that, and it's unfortunate. Yeah. But it really isn't the point. And, and it really takes away from the opportunity to just, like, share our story in an authentic uh-huh. way. Because I, I'm always just really scared of that, like, weird judgy space. But at the same time... You know, there are lots of people that are totally comfortable with talking about their sex lives and there's absolutely zero shame. And those are the voices that we most end up hearing and that's why we feel more alone. Yeah. And there's more of us who feel this conviction that it is right and good to save something as sacred as sex for what God has intended. Yeah. But that being said, as Christians, and we speak as Christians among Christians, that's one thing. If it's the world, like, we're not there to judge the world. You know, that's not our job. Our job is to be light and be salt and all those things that we're called to be, to love people where they are. If they don't know Jesus, they're not going to know the language of saving yourself till marriage or the, my new favorite that you taught me, marital embrace. (laughs) Engaging in the marital embrace. Yes. So, you know, we have to be aware of just the vernacular of the environment in which we are. Yeah, and I... Also, I'm just really sensitive, like, I really am sensitive to self-righteousness and just, like, I do believe that this is the best choice, but I don't want to give off the impression that I think I've been able to make this choice because I'm more virtuous or I'm a superhuman or I'm better than everybody else. Yeah, appreciate you saying that because I think... That is, again, where other people might go in just prejudging you. Like, oh, she thinks she's better than me. Blah, blah, blah. Which, of course, is not the point. I mean, I've sat with you and spoken to you about this and the issues around it. So I'm so glad that we get to share this Mm -hmm. in a public forum because I think it will be helpful. I hope so. Okay, so moving on. So I already mentioned uh, doctor's office visits. There's (laughs) probably few there are probably few things that are more awkward than you know like when they're trying to insist on doing a pregnancy test or they're asking you if you're sexually active and you're like no no that pregnancy test is really not necessary and you try to be as euphemistic as possible and you're you, you and you're like I just know for a fact I just know <laughs> and then finally you have to come out and say it 
I, I remember going to the doctor's office and like you know how you get to check in and mm. I don't know why this happened here I thought it was so inappropriate but I, that happened to me like in my 20s I went up <laughs> to the window and then like they were reading my stuff and this is like just in the check-in area yeah with people around and then they're looking I was like oh you're a virgin and I was like thanks <laughs> um yeah, and like I actually, like, what what are you doing right now? <laughs> I actually legitimately had um, a reproductive endocrinologist laugh at me, and See, he that's... tried to convince me that it was absolutely imperative for me to go on birth control because I was a quote big girl. And granted, this was like six years ago. I mean, it had to be more than five years ago. Because, and he was like, you know, basically he was treating my virginity as if it were not a choice and as if it were something that I was not in control of um because he was like because everybody like adults just need contraception just because like sex happens like it's just what like does a that thing. have anything to do with you being a quote-unquote big girl right what yeah he's like well you need to be on birth control because you're a big girl but what like I'm actually like, asking like, like biologically yeah, but speaking, it, no, he means like he... as an adult because adults have sex <laughs> big girl like a, an adult yeah I thought you were. I thought he was like attacking your image, like your size. Oh no, 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 no! I was like, "What the heck?" No, 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 no. He he meant like you were your old. <laughs> well, because okay. at the time, but still, I'm I like, um no, you don't say that to a person. <laughs> well, yeah, even still, yeah. And Jeez. at the time, I was in my like, I was in my late twenties, and I was like, "Please, I mean, it's like if I've made it this far, I'm pretty sure I'm okay," you know. And stop, I mean, well, it's just, I don't know. It's, it was just really condescending. Yeah. Yeah, not that people don't fall all the time and not that I'm, you know, exempt from that. Like, definitely. But anyway, so there's that. And then, you know, it's, it is really hard with media portrayals because you, when virginity is even mentioned, most people are actively trying to lose it or they're being made fun of for it. Mm-hmm. And Jane the Virgin is basically one of the only representations of someone who's being affirmative about their virginity, but to me that's still not even enough, and it actually kind of makes me mad because her reasons are all shame and fear-based, and they're all based on when she was a little girl and her grandmother crushed a flower and said, like, look, that's what happens when you lose your virginity and you can never get those perfect flower petals back. And to me that's just, like, totally the wrong reasons to be chaste. I mean, just looking at virginity as ruined versus not ruined is extremely problematic. Oh, yeah. Damaging (laughs) for sure to the psyche. Yeah. And then we'll get into that with you. But another thing about media portrayals, I've just noticed this more in the last few years. I'm sure it's always been there and I just didn't think about it too much. But whenever people have a declaration of love, somehow it has to be consummated. Yeah, in TV that's how shows, you really know. In movies, and I've started noticing this pattern like not too long ago. But I think that's dangerous because yeah. if you really love me, like that whole mm. line of thought becomes really detrimental in how you think about it. Yeah, and for young people who are already, it's really difficult anyway to control your hormones, and you're seeing these things on TV and in film. Yeah. It's and plus like it goes into the like am I lovable or not? Right. Right. Thing, which has anyone course... ever loved me? Am I worthy of love? Yeah, yeah, totally. And also it's like there are very few portrayals of 
bad sex. I think now it's a little bit better. Yeah, well, you talk about girls and you mm-hmm. talk about... Yeah, where it's like... But before, especially when I was growing up, I felt like sex was always portrayed as something super magical. It solves all your problems. It yeah, your first motivates time. you to do everything. It, you know, mm-hmm. you, you're, like, extra productive if, if, you know, you're able to have sex, you know, yeah. as a reward or whatever. And it's, like, basically the one reason why you should be alive uh, <laughs> is the kind of the message that, or at least especially women's magazines, you know, they have, there's so many articles about it, so many headlines just on the average cover of Cosmo. It's, like it makes you think this is the thing you should be living for and the thing that defines you and the thing that makes life worth living. Um, And so, yeah, that definitely leads into this if when you can't or when you don't choose to have physical intimacy, it can really easily lead you down this rabbit hole of like, oh, I feel really unloved and unlovable. I feel unaccepted. I feel undesirable. Yeah. And um, it's, it is still, even now, really hard for me to reconcile the idea of desirability mm. in my brain and to think of myself as a desirable person because I've spent so much time kind of running away from my running away from that idea that I am desirable because growing up so I grew up in Kentucky and um I grew up Catholic but I had a lot of friends that were involved in purity culture um and I even did go to like a I went to lots of different churches so I did go to Protestant churches with my friends and stuff and so that was very much the culture of virginity pledges and Uh, I kissed dating goodbye and all of that and that combined with modesty culture which I think Catholics are uh, really great at shame (laughs) with modesty culture it led me to really just like not even want to think of myself as a sexual being and to feel really guilty about being attractive. And I was also, combined with that, never like that girl. I mean, I had, like, one sort of boyfriend freshman year, but wasn't really. It was more like he just needed someone to go to homecoming with. And then I didn't have a boyfriend for the rest of high school. And I didn't have a date to prom. I went to prom with friends. And I didn't even have my first kiss until college. And... So it's kind of like a real combination of issues of, you know, I felt like I was unlovable and I had the perfect trifecta of low self-esteem, abandonment issues, uh, because, you know, I'm a child of divorce, poor body image, that would make someone run and seek out intimacy any one of those things really but because I also had this like purity culture aspect I I didn't end up going that direction but I internalized all those feelings and felt really like unaccepted and unworthy of love and like Mm. I remember just feeling so I mean I mean I remember 
sitting in my room in high school and just thinking like, oh, I can't even wait for the day when a guy would be willing to hold my hand in public and just like make a public gesture like that as a statement that he's standing next to me and he's with me. Mm-hmm. Like that was, and I felt like I was unworthy of even just that, even someone holding my hand in public. Mm. So that was a pretty, um, I don't know. Anyway, still still working through a lot of issues. But anyway, <laughs> and that's part of what makes dating hard and weird now. And uh, being a virgin, now I'm, I'm about to turn 33. Can you go into that more? Yeah. About your dating experience? Yeah. And the kinds of comments that you get, because I'm, I'm uh, so fascinated yeah. with the rudeness mm-hmm. of adult men. Yeah. And even those that claim to be Christian. Right. What, yeah. what does that look like? Well, so uh, I guess to start off, I have had a long-term relationship, to answer the question many of you may be asking yourselves. And I, that was something that as soon as we started dating, I mean, we dated for like a year and a half, and basically as soon as we started dating, I told my boyfriend, like, hey, this is, I'm saving myself for marriage, and this is just like, <clears throat> this is a non-negotiable. Was he um, religious in any way? He was like culturally Catholic. Okay. Um, he, did, he did go to mass with me, but he definitely wasn't as practicing when I met him. Um, and he was not a virgin, which was actually, later I found out, found out our relationship was actually really, really hard for him. And I didn't even know to what extent during the time. But, and that was a long time ago. We broke up six years ago. Since then I have at most gone on two dates with the same person. And yeah, I get a lot of messages from guys and they kind of run the spectrum between like, oh, that's cool and I respect that to guys that are like, oh, okay, but like how much of a virgin are you and have you touched this and have you done this and blah, blah, blah. And um, they have straight up told me like, I mean, part of it is curiosity, but one actually told me, you know, I'm just evaluating whether I could have a real relationship with you. Mm. And so he was asking about my boundaries and what I'm willing to do or not do. And that guy was a self proclaimed Catholic. And yeah, I'd like to pause here and talk a little bit about what we <laughs> were saying before we pressed record mm. about this idea of virginity as a technicality. Yeah. And the orientation of the heart mm-hmm. and how if you go there, if you're asking about how far can I go, you've kind of missed the point anyway. Right. Well, and especially when it's a stranger that you're talking to online who I don't know you I've never met you I don't even know what your real name is and you're asking me these really really intimate questions basically to evaluate what services I could provide to you and that's the whole thing with chastity is a freedom and be recognizing your own dignity and other people's dignity mm-hmm. as well and so it's like I mean I I didn't end up responding cuz it was like you know and I mean, I told him, like, I'm really uncomfortable with you asking me these questions. Um, and that's when he told me, well, I'm trying to see if we can have a real relationship. And, 
it's just there's just so much about that that is it's almost even like where to begin with with how right. how different that is from my view i don't know uh, if now might be the right time and we can edit this out if not but are you comfortable about going into even the dangers of looking at it as a technicality because putting oneself in a position where you are so adamant that i'm not going to have sex with you and yet the other person may not even understand what that means and yet still yeah. pushes the boundary. Yeah. So one thing that comes up is that sometimes either they don't recognize how important it is to you or what it means or they see you as a challenge or mm. a combination of both. And um, so the asking personal questions was part of that. Um, but I also have been in the situation where, I mean, I definitely had a part, like I drank too much, ended up at this guy's house. And so we were making out, but basically it got to the point where he was like, well, you've never had an orgasm and I want to give you your first orgasm. And like was insisting and insisting and I was like no 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 and he was insisting to the point that he went ahead and mm, I would say well violated my boundaries like did something that I did not want him to do and I clearly told him no and I guess he was looking at it like from the perspective of I know better than you do mm. what you should want such a man because yeah because I know what it's like to have this, and it's like the greatest thing, and that's what you need to have. And mm. yeah, and so it's taken me a really, really long time to heal from that. That was three years ago. And I definitely had a lot of shame from that, and it's also part of what makes it hard for me to feel normal because I feel like on the one hand I don't necessarily totally fit in with the pure Catholic vision of what an unmarried woman looks like but then at the same time you know this happened to me and it was really painful and I still have not had intercourse and so that makes me feel really weird and abnormal in secular culture with my non-catholic friends and so basically like yeah the farthest that I've gone sexually was not something that I even wanted or enjoyed so right. that sucks <laughs> you know uh, um, yeah I mean it, it was borderline rape to be honest right? I think it qualifies yeah although like it also that was really hard for me to admit for a long time because it's like well I don't want to equate that with like people that suffer from like really violent full-on rapes because it it doesn't feel like it's the same thing but so that's why for a while I think I even didn't heal from it because yeah, calling it what it is yeah yeah um because I didn't I wasn't able to really claim how hurt I felt from it mm because for a while I was just like oh whatever like this just happened and things happen and I hadn't owned up to like oh hey this thing that I didn't want 
like he did something that I did not want. So yeah, like I think in general, once someone has had sex, it is really hard for them to understand the mindset that you have when you don't know it. And so that's yeah, that has been definitely hard because sometimes and both on both sides too. Because so like sometimes no, I'll get these comments of like guys that are like hey, can, can we have sex because I'm bored? And I'm like, whatever, you know. Um, or guys asking for pics or whatever. And I, it's just as hard for me to understand that mentality because then it, probably it is for them to understand where I'm coming from. Uh, because I am so naive sometimes, it doesn't occur to me that, like, sex is a really powerful unseen force that is a big part of a lot of people's lives and a big part of their motivations. And so I'm like, oh yeah, let's just like stay up all night talking and be friends or whatever. Not thinking that, oh, the guy has me in his apartment because he wants to have sex with me. Like that's the only reason why he's talking to me. And so that has also uh, gotten me into a few painful situations. Oh, you know, and and that the situation that I just described and the situations, the other situation I'm talking about, those were with Christian guys. Like when that happened that that I talked about three years ago, that was a guy who on his profile talked about how much he loves going to church. And so it's like... Well, I think that was part of the motivation of why we started this podcast. Yeah. The confusion of encountering Christian men, specifically L.A., but I'm sure it happens elsewhere that we have been in contact with Mm. or slash been in relationship with. Yeah. And they are so blatantly for sex before marriage and And the confusion that comes from that. Yeah. 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 What's up, church? (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. So not this, not definitely not to say that all men are like this. I know that it's not true. Anyway, so just quickly going over more of the bad things. You know, obviously there's loneliness. There's... Loneliness how? Loneliness not finding a relationship because that's such a deal breaker for people? Or loneliness yeah. and just not feeling like anyone else understands that perspective? Both. Or All of it. Like, okay. just feeling very isolated. And just not being able to have like really profound intimacy with someone and Hmm. you know the feeling of even if just for like a few seconds being just completely accepted as you are I'm sorry well thanks (laughs) but this is just like the, the you know it's just like what it's like to be single and then you know I mentioned before it's still hard for me to flirt um it's easy to feel unsafe or threatened by by things and like then also like not being afraid of being too attractive or you know um because it's like oh like I don't want to lose this part of my identity and whatever obviously there's bitter over like oh I'm making so much of a sacrifice for God and you know in my really low moments I feel like I should be rewarded with a spouse kind of Mm. like for all of the hard work that I'm putting into you know, not having sex. and It's a really bad rabbit hole to go down, uh, the rabbit hole of bitterness. Also, 
feeling you it's easy to feel disconnected from your body um, because you're like oh I just don't want to feel desire so I'm just not going to feel anything in my body and then you end up not taking care of yourself it's easy to also feel like you're missing something from the human experience it's like really integral to the human experience and then you over idealize marriage and sex and lose sight of the present moment and what God might be asking you to do in the present moment in your current state or you start to wonder about opportunities you might have had start to be afraid that you'll die a virgin like without ever being able to experience this like I mean something really deeply and profoundly human you know Uh. well I'm glad you're listing these as possibilities and not necessarily this is how everyone feels right no this is just how I feel well, I, my I, worst I would even I would even argue with you even on some of that just because I know you to f- have felt that sex is not the end all be all. Yeah, yeah, and I know that's not what you're saying here, but just to clarify that yeah. for our, <laughs> our our listeners, like, and I, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but sex as an idol, of course, becomes very dangerous. And then we have had talks on this podcast about how sex and intimacy could be completely different things and yeah because you're not having sex doesn't mean that you can't feel fulfilled right right and for sure and so yeah I so we're gonna to voice these things right yeah. because we i mean it's just good to to be honest about the hardships because i mean mm-hmm. whitewashing things doesn't do anybody any good but um the last thing that i'll say that's really challenging is the knowledge that self-mastery is never complete like it's it's almost like with exercise too you know it's like when you start working out you're really sore but if you keep working out there will always be something more to do you know it there's never going to be a point where you're like I am totally fit and I can stop working out now yeah you You have to keep up with it yeah and you always have to you know there are always there's always like more weight to lift or longer that you can do cardio or you know more muscle tone that you can in so that's just really challenging is because it's just like such an ongoing battle but everybody is called to be chaste even Even in marriage marriage. so i know that that's not something that is only unique to us and our situation can you talk about that a little bit what do you mean by chase then for those who might be like oh what does that even mean well i happen to have a good quote from the catechism that i like which is the chaste person maintains the integrity of the powers of life and love placed in him i just think that's really uh beautiful um so yeah basically it is uh, we talk about it in such an abstract way, but that's almost the only way that we can talk about it. So it's really leading an integrated life of wholeness uh, where sexuality is a part of it, but it's not something that you're a slave to. Yeah. And so it's basically living out your sexuality in terms of the station that you're at in life. So there's context and there's boundaries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's boundaries for everybody. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, recognizing how important sexuality is and how much freedom God actually gives us. I used to get really, really angry, um, especially because I had a job as an interpreter, a mental health interpreter. Um, and part of my job was 
uh, going with a therapist to give therapy to um, caregivers of foster kids or, or do evaluations of foster kids. And so I heard a lot of stories of just really bad parents. And I used to get so angry with God and I was like, all I want to do is get married and have kids and you're giving kids to these people that you know leave open alcohol containers around and can't and don't you know they're like so high that they don't feed their kids and you know like they never wanted kids in the first place but in order to get over that anger I had to realize actually it's a really profound statement on how much freedom God does give us and how important the gift of sexuality is and it didn't really I mean it doesn't take away my loneliness or my desire but it did make me respect more um, my state in life trying to be faithful to what God has called me to do um, which is respecting this gift that he gives all of us and so I would say for me as a single person uh, it, it's really all about trying to attain a freedom and loving other people as God loves and one real benefit to remaining a virgin is how I think that I am able to see people a little bit more clearly as people and not as someone that could provide me with pleasure um because like after I had my first kiss I noticed that I went from just kind of seeing guys as guys to all of a sudden like someone that I would like to kiss (laughs) and you know like so instead of just seeing an attractive guy and being like oh he's attractive my first thought would be like oh I wonder what it would be like to kiss him and so but you can't really like crave a food that you've never tried (laughs) <laughs> so it's kind of like that. Like it's that's a good point. Easier to it just makes things easier to not know what it feels like. Mm. To not you know it makes it easier to not fantasize and it, it makes it easier to look at a situation objectively and be like okay well I really should not be with that person or this relationship does not need to continue when you don't have that kind of false bond of physical intimacy that's keeping you together Um, or when you don't have that just drive of like well now that I know what it feels like I really want to feel that again and oh my gosh I'm like so horny that I can't I I, like this has to happen now you know Mm. Um, which I get that way with food like so (laughs) I'm definitely not a better person than anybody else you know Um, uh, I can have like mad cravings of food and usually I give in um, but right. we've talked about the miracle that you self yeah admitted. No, it is. It's definitely like I. I feel like you can see where grace has really worked in my life because like so easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've gone through periods where I've been more religious and less religious, and I've gone through periods where waiting till marriage was more of a choice or was definitely a choice. And periods where it was just kind of inertia because, like, I didn't have any opportunities. You know, like, in high school, I just, you know, didn't date anyone. And 
looking back, probably was God protecting me. Yeah. Um, but at the time, I was like, oh, this means, like, I'm horrible and I'll die alone in a sea of cats. And, <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, and I think it really has forced me to have a deep relationship with God, um, drawing closer to Jesus, kind of uniting my journey with the cross has given me a much better understanding of Jesus's life and being able to share in his loneliness that has been really spiritually fruitful for me. It's also really nice to have one area in my life where I do not feel like I'm a victim of my passions or a slave to, you know, cause like, I so said like gluttony, I think for me is a lot harder than lust for me. Like, and for some people maybe, you know, lust is way more powerful. Um, and that's fine. Not to say that I'd never have sexual desire or anything like that, but, um, it's just a lot harder for me to resist mm. gluttony. And it's also harder because it's less, it's a lot more socially acceptable. So that's really, really hard for me. So just being able to have being like, just being able to draw this line with sex and like, I'm just not going to go there. It's just like one less area of my life that you have to worry about. I, yeah. <laughs> I think it's important <laughs> nice. to point out that, um, yes, for virgins, but also for either born again virgins or yeah. those that are practicing celibacy, um, after, you know, you know, whatever decisions that they're making. Because a lot of the things you were saying, I thought, like, oh, drawing closer to God and able to, you know, focus on him better. You know, um, if, if you're out there and you think that there's no hope for you, like, there's certainly this this path that mm -hmm. is still available for you. This The grace that you can walk and draw near, and draw nearer to God. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it also, you know, all that we're talking about, this freedom... It sets you up to love more as God loves, which is loving the whole person and loving really freely. And so that is one reason why I have really striven to wait until marriage specifically and not just for a long-term relationship. Yeah. Um, although... I think I I think I have not yet faced my greatest challenge in terms of chastity which is being in a relationship that I think is bound for marriage. Oh yeah. You know, or being engaged. But I do think it's really 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 important. Well, A, I have abandonment issues, so um <laughs> that that's kind of number one, reason number one uh why I think it's really important to place this in the context of marriage. Because it's like, it's something that's so important. It's, it has such a big effect on our bodies, our hormones, bonding, everything. It can generate life. Um, but it's often the result of a really impulsive decision. And impulsive decisions, like, I mean, you can literally wreck your life or at least change your life. Um, and at least kind of on a personal level, I know that sex was a, I, mean, I don't, without getting into too many details, was a big issue in my, a big thing that caused my parents' divorce. And, uh, you know, and like temptation. And so it's really, really important to me to 
I, I don't feel like I will actually ever be able to fully give myself freely unless it's in that really solid, well thought out, not impulsive uh, kind of container of marriage. Right. I mean, you want <laughs> and to... promises, yeah. and, you know, and, and vows. The commitment and, there. Yeah. It's not going to be just somebody that treats you like a one night stand. Yeah. Or... But it's like, even if with a fiance, you know, engagements can still, I mean, heck, even marriages, you know, like your husband can still leave you. Marriages can still yeah. break up. But it's like, that's at least the best chance. And like, at least both of you have an investment and have an interest in doing your part in communicating and moving forward and making it last, you know. My mom has a great story. It's actually, it's not a great story. It's a horrible story. But I just remember as you were talking, uh, this was probably to scare me from waiting, uh, to waiting, I should say. Um, <laughs> she, she told me about someone she knew that was engaged and she was putting off having sex until marriage until her fiancé convinced her to have sex the night before. And then it was so horrible because she was so tense and she was so just nervous and she was just, you know, Mm. out of her comfort zone because, like, this is not what she really wanted to do, but she wanted to be accommodating and and she thought, oh, they're going to get married anyway. But he left her because the sex was so bad. And it would be... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and and to think, like, waiting 24 more hours and she would have been much more relaxed and... No, not as nervous because she knew it was in the confines, in a, like in a in a place where she knew that like this is where the time that I wanted to have it, and it's just horrible. Yeah. Like, it's this woman that my mom knows, and I'm just like that's awful. That sucks. Or it could have been a story she made up, so I would wait for right. marriage. <laughs> just. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, I I really try to stay away from the idea that, like, well, marriage is, like, locking something down and, like, that, you know, we can't escape or whatever. It's, for me, more like something that will contain a wildfire. I guess that's That's a great picture. Only way I can, yeah. The only way I can really describe it. And, you know, people do have brought up, in fact, even we got comments on our podcast at the beginning of um, sexual incompatibility. And I'm not going to say that that's not true because that's definitely some people's experience, but I think that I don't really see necessarily how having sex before marriage would solve it or would tell you even all that much about it because that's something to me that can always be improved um, as long as you're both interested in improving it and I think actually not having sex with someone leads to better communication um, because you're forced to actually talk instead of seek out intimacy just through yeah but that's not to say that I'm the best at communication because I'm definitely not what you're getting at is like a deeper intimacy than just the physical yeah which is actually I think more what I crave for I mean definitely I have physical desires but more what I crave is the coupling of emotional and physical intimacy. Sure. Um, and so another good thing, another good fruit from it is, you know, I, I kind of gave up this, oh, we'll both be saving ourselves fantasy a while ago because, I mean, ultimately I don't really care what someone's story is. 
like what choices they might have made in the past but for me I do still cherish the idea that like at least when I get married I'll be able to have something to show my future husband like hey I was actually working hard and preparing for you and thinking about you but that's not to say that that's like my primary reason for waiting because I also have to just be aware of the fact that I might never get married like it you know um it I don't know like I can't control what happens yeah and then there's more to it than just sex because you can go the other extreme like Joshua Harris's I Can Say Any Goodbye and just not have any sort of contact contact which is also detrimental which we will get to when we talk to him Mm -hmm. later yeah but anyway yeah it's like it's I don't know at least it's some sort of accomplishment I guess I don't know anyway (laughs) I think another good thing I think it's um one less way to self-medicate or deflect feelings Um, and you really have to look for more authentic ways to love yourself and you have to seek out ways to accept yourself that aren't just like well I feel bad and so I would feel better if I could have sex with someone and that's definitely oversimplifying it definitely oversimplifying it but for me, like, it's kind of like what I've said before with food. Uh, I have a, plenty of ways to self-medicate, <laughs> like, and plenty of ways to deflect from, from feeling my real feelings and dealing with my issues. So this has been a, it's, I'm actually really relieved that um, mm-hmm. I haven't had that area of my life. And like I said, I mean, it, it really is like a total miracle. Like, I don't even know how how I got to where I am other than grace um okay so also one of the benefits I haven't gotten uh, as attached to the wrong guys (laughs) because I am a person that can go crazy or definitely I think less now but uh especially in my 20s just getting really overly attached or interpreting things wrong and like if I can go crazy over a text message, like, I can't even imagine my brain on the hormones that are released during sex. Like, I honestly can't even, Yeah. I, I don't even want to no, imagine. You, you the really, world doesn't really, need that kind of monster. You really, really do. <laughs> um, and it's it's really nice to not feel as used or objectified. Definitely, yeah. uh, I have felt used slash objectified. Um, but I'm grateful to not have the extra shame that would come with uh, all of that. And, you know, most guys that are only interested in using you, well, and I, I shouldn't say that, like, because some people have just the, they just kind of look at sex as a recreational activity and like, oh, hey, let's just have fun together. And as long as we're on the same page that it doesn't really mean anything, then that's fine. So it's not like, I don't think very many people set out saying like, I'm going to look for someone to use today. Right. Um, you know, but anyway, that is how I end up feeling. Like, I mean, because even in the situations in my life where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to make out because I'm like a fun, cool person. Um, I still end up feeling just like really crappy after. And so the benefit of kind of coming out right front, right up front and saying, 
look, I'm not going to have sex with you. Those guys that even though they have their way of justifying it in their head and they're just looking for a good time or whatever, they're just like, okay, see ya, have a good life, you know? And so it makes it a lot easier to figure out, okay, well, like, who is interested in me as a person? And, yeah, it's... You also, I think, can see clearly, like, well, this relationship has kind of reached its end point. Right? Like, I feel like with my boyfriend, if we had been having sex, our relationship would have continued on a lot longer just because of that. You know, just basically, like, because we're still being intimate and everything like that. But I think the the relationship had... I don't regret dating him. It had its place, but it was basically reached it ran its course I think and it would have been just harmful to either of us to continue that I think that since everybody basically especially in secular society basically considers chastity to be impossible it has really let me feel grace in my life because it's like yeah it is possible but I'm just as weak as everybody else so it's like this has to be God like you know Mm -hmm. and it can be so discouraging because I think the prevailing view in secular society is like, but these are needs and how can you possibly, you know, like not have sex and not masturbate? Like, how can you possibly do that? It's impossible. Like, and I'm like, no, you know, like, and not that it's not hard, but it's not that hard. Like, it's definitely not like you're going to starve and die. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you don't have it. Yeah. And in fact, it just like fasting can give you a clearer brain. It, you know, I think it sometimes just, yeah, I don't know, gives you a clearer brain. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> uh, Devon Franklin and Megan Good wrote The Weight. Mm-hmm. And that is definitely one of the things that they talk about. How you're just more focused, you're more clear yeah. on the things that you're trying to accomplish in your life. Right. And, and the things that you want yeah. in a person. And, um... You know, so I think I've really had to focus on, like, figuring out who I am and what my true vocation is. I mean, I already grew up, like, basically boy crazy and already have spent, like, way too much time on, like, online dating and everything like that. But um, it would have been even worse uh, if I were always looking, like, feeling like I needed to look for the next hookup or the next relationship where I needed to have sex because I I'm honestly like okay being single like I do desire marriage but like I've kind of figured out how to be single yeah and another good thing is that if slash when I get married which I hope is is a win and not an if I'm really glad that I won't have any thing to compare it to and really I'll only have like my own experience of how I feel but I won't have the memories in the back of my mind of like well this isn't like so and so and I wish it was more like so and so yeah um you know because it's like once I get to that point with my husband like if it's bad or unsatisfying like okay well we'll both be we'll both have an interest in improving it yeah and find ways to make it better and we can figure that out oh girl i got books for you oh okay great (laughs) yeah luckily i know plenty of married people that can give me advice but 
at least I won't have that grass is always greener hmm. memory. Um, or you could possibly have the memory of this is the best that it's ever been. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, it, yeah. It, I guess it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, but the point is, it's better to have no comparison than... I don't know. I mean, yeah. I think so. This And this, this is kind of just me making stuff up. No, it's what you feel. <laughs> you know, you can tell me if I'm way off base, but... Um, no, I think it's va- totally valid because it is what you feel, and I think that's right and good to feel that my husband is all that I know, and I think that's a great thing. Yeah, I mean, definitely there's a way that I can easily see it, like... You know, I've heard stories of people getting bitter later on because they're like, well, I only knew one person and I didn't explore and I I felt like something was kept from me. Yeah. But I'm going to try not to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, and I guess, but at this point, I'm old enough that I will be able to be really, really judicious in terms of who I marry. And I'm not looking at it with a bitter... You know, and, like, the statistics are very much... The statistics make it very much more likely that the man I marry will not be a virgin, and I'm not going to hold that against him. So it's... But anyway, it's like, like in all things, you can choose to be bitter, or you can choose to be joyful. Mm-hmm. And It's all a choice, right? Right. And in, on my bad days, I do get better. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't think that, I mean, I could definitely go out and get on Tinder, have some sex, like, but I don't think it would make me happier. And we haven't even gotten into pregnancy slash STD scares. Oh, right. (laughs) But that is a great, great weight that I'm glad that I do not have on my mind because all of my friends that have had sex have gone through that at some point and uh I just don't even like I have so much going on I don't really don't need that uh those concerns um and I don't know it's like even without the pregnancy slash STD scares I mean and even my friends I I mean I guess it's a little bit different for the ones that are in relationships because they do seem, if they're having sex, like they do seem to be pretty happy. So I can't really judge that. But as a single person, my friends that are hooking up, like they seem to be even more bitter and disillusioned than I am. And, um, you know, even though it's weird because their dating pool is bigger, you know, like the dating pool for cushions, especially that are like willing to wait for marriage dating pool is really really small and even on like websites like catholic match so on catholic match there's seven faith questions where you can say if you agree or disagree and so someone who's faithful to all church teachings is a seven out of seven (laughs) and so you'll see guys that if they're a five out of seven it's probably not because they disagree with papal infallibility like it's usually i would say 90 percent of the time contraception and premarital sex interesting and so and it, but especially if they've, like, been divorced. and I mean, I totally get it. Like, it's really hard to go backwards once you know what it's like and once that is what a relationship means to you. So... Can I read these that I just... 
pulled okay. up. It's okay. statisticbrain.com, and at the bottom of the page it says 2017, but I don't know. I didn't vet this. I didn't look <laughs> up. I just Googled it. So statisticbrain.com says percentage of America's Americans who wait until marriage to have sex, 3%. Uh, 3%. Percentage of Americans <laughs> who wait until marriage to have sex in 1950, 11%. Oh, S- still hmm. pretty low. Yeah. Percentage of Americans in highly religious groups who wait until marriage to have sex, 20%. Perc- See, it's still only one in five? Mm. Percent of oh. abstainers who are women, 60%. <laughs> Percent of high school students who are virgins, 54%. Percent of teens who agree that sexual activity for high schoolers, high school age teens is not acceptable, 58%. Percent of teens who desire to have one partner for life, 82%. That's interesting. Percent of girls who have had sexual intercourse but said they wish they waited, 80%. It's hmm. crazy. Percent of teens who don't think it's embarrassing to admit being a virgin, 87%. Oh, they see, they're better off than I am. <laughs> well, they're only teenagers. <laughs> right. So. Oh, it's a lot easier. It, yeah, actually, I've even noticed that in my life. Like, it started to get weird and awkward in college to talk mm. about it. And now it's even more just like, like, because at this point, especially in secular society, yeah, everybody just assumes you aren't. I mean, it's just, it's not even a question. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Like the older you are, the less yeah. likely assume, you know, yeah. the assumption. Teen abortion per 1,000 girls, uh, 100,000 girls, excuse me, uh, that are less than 20 years old in states rejecting absent funding, 65.5%. percent Hmm. Um, oh no, teen abortion per 100,000 girls, 65.5. Teen abortion per 100,000 girls, less than 20 years old, in states accepting abstinence funding, 44.2. Well, there are a lot of issues. Like, I mean, yeah. we don't need to go into that. <laughs> uh, top reasons, so this goes into what you were giving. Mm-hmm. Top mm-hmm. reasons given for choosing abstinence. Um, uphold religious or moral values, 42%. Don't want to get pregnant, 38%. Waiting for that one special person. Sorry, I laughed. 34%. Fear of getting a sexually transmitted disease, 33%. Focus on education or career, 23%. Save yourself from emotional regret, fear, anger, Mm. betrayal, 18%. Oh, that needs to go up higher. Yeah. Don't want to disappoint parents, 11%. Maintain your reputation, 9%. Interesting. Yeah, um... I definitely identify with all of those reasons, and it's it's really, although for teens, I think it's easier, I do, um, the older you get, especially once I hit 30, like, your body wants you to have babies. Yeah. You know, like, it's like your body is trying to, and so, especially after 30, I noticed, like, that I had a sharp increase in desire. And it was kind of like, whoa, okay. Like, I just kind of have to relearn how to deal with it. But I have gotten so many gifts from it. Um, and now, also, it's like, the older I get, the more disappointed in myself I would be if I did not make it to my goal, <laughs> you know? <laughs> make it to the finish line. Because I've been through so much. Like, I mean, I've had to physically punch guys like when they did not would not leave me alone like I I've lived on three continents like I've traveled alone like you know I've been through a lot and so I think ultimately the good does outweigh the bad 
So let's leave it on a good note because though there are so many reasons that can appear negative, mm-hmm. let's end on positive notes on why it is important to you and why have you held on to this for so long? Probably because I'm repressed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I just think that my body is not really mine. Mm. And it's really God's. And I can see where I am a slave to desire in other areas of my life, like with food. And I see the consequences from that. Like, they're really inescapable. And so I know that there are consequences to everything that we do. And there are consequences that we feel in our bodies and our souls because they're connected. Mm -hmm. They're inextricable. And so I know what happens to me on a soul level, even when I go off the rails with my body, with eating or drinking or drugs. And so ultimately, I feel like there is great wisdom in the tradition that we receive from the church. And really, like, in 2,000 years, I mean, the church has seen it all. You've just got (laughs) to admit that reality. Like, the church has seen kind of, I think, every weakness. And I think I choose to be faithful to that because because that is the wisdom of how to best treat this gift from God Mm -hmm. which is my body and my sexuality and I do trust in that does that answer your question? (laughs) what a wonderful way to wrap up and Mary Ashley thank you so much again for your bravery for your vulnerability for wanting to share your story and I hope that somebody out there can take away some healing tools from this thank you for listening to our podcast this has been another episode of fishers of men if you have any questions comments or feedback please email us at fishersofmenpodcast at gmail.com or find us on our website at fishersofmenpodcast.com we are also on facebook under fishers of men Follow us on Twitter at at LA Gone Fishing or on Instagram at Fishers of Men Podcast. There is an underscore after each word. Please also remember to rate and make comments on iTunes if you feel so inclined. It's really important so that other people can discover our podcast. I'm Larson Sams. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. Until next time, keep swimming.